0: Welcome back all you Tana Maniacs to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP online with our app Tanner Hoops with you Wednesday afternoon. Glad to have you along. John Michael Holfling from
1: ABC10 in studio with me. What's going on, Michael? Not, no, not much, not much. Is that is that what your fans are called? Tana Maniacs? When did that start?
0: Probably started a while ago, but the nickname's new. Okay. Let's start with the College World Series because that's going to throw the first pitch this weekend. Michigan is going to be there for the first time since 1984.
1: A lot of fans up here are excited about it. They're happy about it, as they should be. Yeah, you know what's terrible is that we don't get highlights for them. I love really? it. We, we're not allowed to show those highlights. I was I was talking about it a little bit. You know what the, the top movie was in
0: 1984? Uh, Top Gun? Dang <laughs> Pretty good, you yeah. are good. <laughs> Not bad. Top Gun still might be the top movie 35 years later. I know. It's a great um, film. But I tell you, it is a great film. It's going to be one of those that is just ageless. But I tell you what, a few weeks ago I would have told you the Pac-12 is far and away the best conference in college baseball.
1: Hmm. I don't agree anymore.
0: I don't agree with I, myself a few weeks ago anymore. I don't know.
1: College baseball is very fickle. It, it is. It goes back and forth. There are like some consistent... for. Baseball, what I look for in a conference to declare who the best is, is consistency. And I think conferences like the Big West, or at least one team, Cal State Fullerton, is always pretty consistent. Other than, But like, obviously I'm from California, so that's who I get most uh, access to. That's who I've seen the most. Other than that, I mean, the Big West isn't really the most dominant baseball force. Pac-12 is all right. The, there, there's never a conference that I've seen in college baseball that I've been wowed by every team. There isn't even a conference where I'm like, oh yeah, they're a good conference. Really? I've never said that about any baseball conference. Really? Which is weird, because you would think that one would be better than the other, but for me it just seems like every conference sort of stays on the same power level. In one year they might be better than the other, but I've never seen over the course of my life one conference really take off and explode beyond anybody else.
0: I can't say I agree. Uh, I would have said the Pac-12 was the best during the regular season. I thought it was a power struggle between the Pac-12 and the SEC. Now I think it's far and away the SEC. I believe they're the best conference in college baseball just because you've got to have someone, at least one team in the College World Series, and the Pac-12
1: doesn't. Yeah, Pac-12 doesn't. I will say the most consistent team in college baseball is probably Vanderbilt. Yeah. SEC, like you were saying. And so. the best offense. Yeah, yeah, best offense. I mean... They're they're really, really, really good every year. So Mm -hmm. props to them. Probably SEC just because of them in most cases. Mm -hmm. So yeah.
0: ACC has always been a pretty good conference, and the Big Ten has kind of been a stepping stone. This is huge for the Big Ten to be able to get a team in here. All that excitement a few years ago when Indiana made it, starting to get rekindled, and you feel like even the most bitter rivals in the Big Ten are pulling for Michigan.
1: Probably, just because, like you said, they're a growing conference in the baseball field, haven't been there since 1984, took down the number one overall seat. It's a huge, it's a good story for this one season. I tell you what,
0: I'm a Notre Dame guy, but is it crazy of me to be rooting for Michigan? No. Because I, I kind of, you know what, it's more of a football rivalry, I would
1: say, yeah. Notre Dame well, and Michigan. Even, even, in, even in football, I mean, come on, you gotta cheer for the bad guys sometime. Like when, when I was, I mean... I don't think I'll
0: ever cheer for Michigan.
1: I'm a Stanford fan. But when Oregon was the dominant football force, they were playing the National Championship, you can bet your took us was I was cheering for them because I wanted some Pac-12 representation. I wanted, yeah, we don't like them during the regular season, but the fact is that we still want our conference, the thing that we identify with, to succeed, right?
0: That means I'm going to cheer for Troy State because I want to see other independent football teams (laughs)
1: succeed.
0: (laughs) But I tell you what, Uh, Michigan-Notre Dame seems to be only, uh, from my perspective, it seems to be... Mostly a football rivalry. They played each other in basketball in the NCAA tournament about three years ago. It didn't bring that hatred like football does. I would argue it's more of a hockey rivalry than it is basketball. Baseball, there's just not a lot of fire between those two programs. No, it doesn't seem to be. So maybe that makes it easier for me to want to cheer for Michigan. I really like Eric Bakic. I like him a lot. His seventh year at Michigan, a couple of years ago, he got Michigan to the NCAA tournament. That was the last time they were there. Everyone thought he was out the door and he was heading to Carolina, and he would have continued the trend of guys using Big Ten schools as stepping stones. But he said those who stay become champions, and they are a few wins away from maybe becoming champions of the college baseball world.
1: Yeah, it'd be a big deal. And I like... As we've talked about on the show before, baseball is so flip-floppity, right? So anything can happen on any given day, and especially in only a double elimination bracket. Anything can happen. So I think Michigan has as good a chance as anybody else in that field right now. They
0: really do. And their pitching staff is arguably the best of anybody in the tournament. They've got the best ERA at 349. Their offense, their ceiling is high. And they've got a lot of guys that can be good on a given day. You've got to get a few of those guys clicking on the
1: same day. As a Giants fan, pitching can take you way farther than you deserve to go. 2010, 2012, 2014, we did not have (laughs) a good offense. But the Giants still won because of Tim Lincecum, Matt Cain, Brian Wilson, Madison Bumgarner, Sergio Romo, and Santiago Casilla. That's it.
0: I miss Brian Wilson.
1: So do I. Him and his does. beard. Yeah. Man, he was great. Yeah, he was great. And then the Yankees tried to get him, and they said he had to be clean shaven, and he was like, no. <laughs>
0: I'd forgotten about that. That was hilarious. That's, no. why, yeah,
1: that's the legitimate reason why he didn't join the Yankees. Mm-hmm. I don't blame him. Yeah. Don't blame it was him iconic. His beard was insured, I think. Was it It had really? its own sponsors and stuff like Is that. Is that right? It was crazy. He could
0: probably make a lot more money. Well, maybe not, not, not other than the Yankees. Yeah. Oh, well. I wonder what he's doing now. No no idea. No idea. Uh, just fond memories of him. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, when you look at this tournament, there are a lot of storylines to pick from. Vanderbilt, obviously, they probably got the best offense. 13 players on that team were drafted last week. The young man, uh, Kumar Rooker, who threw the 19 strikeout no-hitter, was not one of them. I mean, they are deep. They are loaded. They should be the favorite to win this tournament. Yet, I wouldn't feel comfortable putting money down on him.
1: Is Rooker a true freshman? I think he is. Yeah, so there's like some weird rules with baseball where like you have to play for three years or something well, like that. Well,
0: I, I know, but the point is that they have 13 guys that were drafted. Oh. Okay. And a guy that was that good. You know, he threw a 19 strikeout no hitter. Not one of the guys that's drafted. So really, they've got 14 guys who could potentially step on to the major <laughs> league level right
1: now. And you you wouldn't put them as a favorite?
0: I, I would say they're the favorite, but this. Field is still wide open that I, I wouldn't feel comfortable
1: putting money on. I've done my fair share of sports betting. <laughs> I never bet on baseball. Yeah, never. Okay. You never ever bet on something that's so back and forth. Mm-hmm. There's a reason it's a 162 game season in Major League Baseball. It's because if you had a 80 game season, I I, I don't even know what to say. Like the, the Washington Nationals, who I think are a very good team, still would be under 500, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't be anywhere close. To the playoffs. Where last I think, year's Oakland A's. Yeah, last year's Oakland A's, exactly. Or, I don't know, the 2010 San Francisco Giants, 44-40 and 40 at the uh, at the All-Star break. Like There are a lot of things that can go wrong. You need a lot of time to figure out who the best teams are. That being said, yes, I do wish they would shorten the season to maybe 120 games, something like that. In general, baseball isn't something that can be decided in such a short amount of time, especially when you're playing every single day. When you
0: look at a few of these other storylines from the tournament, there are a lot to go through for me. I mean, Mike Martin is the one I keep coming back to. 40 years as a head coach. This will be his last 17 College World Series appearances. He has the most wins out of anybody in college baseball, and yet he's never won the College World Series. He's gotten to the championship round twice, but he's still looking for that championship. I'm rooting for the guy, you know? It's it's weird, I'm cheering for Michigan and Florida State to do well in this tournament, but...
1: you got If you got, like, I don't know, people love stories. What did Tyrion say in the last episode of Game of Thrones? People love stories. I don't know, I didn't watch now, it. I know you didn't watch, but <laughs> a lot of people did. Basically, stories drive people, and like, I said, like you just said, he brings a very good story. You want to cheer for it. You want to see the storybook ending, so to speak. Like, people are cheering for the St. Louis Blues. One, because Brad Marchand is atrocious, but mm. two, because... They want to see that curse finally come to an end. It's why the Chicago Cubs, everybody was cheering for. Not me personally, because I wanted the curse to be real. Mm-hmm. I wanted that whole thing to be real. But a lot of people were like, let's see the Cubs finally get it. Let's These young guys that just plucking through Chris Bryant. And they wanted to see him win. It's, it's all that. People cheer for the good story.
0: How about Arkansas? Last year, they should have won the national championship, but a drop pop-up in foul territory eventually led to Oregon State's title. You and I were both part of the Northwoods League last year. Last year, after a Duluth Huskies game, the Skis, the other team, I don't remember who it was, and us as the staff were all gathered around the TV watching this. Arkansas should have won the title. What do you expect from them this
1: year? I think that they recognize that, and because of that, They're not going to reach expectations. Everybody is expecting them at this point to go back there and get what's rightfully theirs. It ain't going to happen.
0: Mississippi State's an intriguing team. They've got maybe the best individual pitcher. I would say he's the best individual pitcher in this tournament, and Ethan Small, he leads the tournament field in almost every statistical category, and they're squaring off with Auburn in the first round, a team that easily has the worst record of ever, of anyone in the field at 38-26, and 26. yet Auburn leads the field in shutouts this season. So see, we
1: could very well see a pitcher's duel that first game. You know who Ethan Small reminds me of? Who? Barry Zito. All right. right. Yeah. I really like that comparison. Because yeah. Barry Zito wasn't the guy who, especially in this day and age of baseball, where it's all about getting the flamethrower, getting the guys who throw in the, in the high 90s, maybe even touch the century mark every now and again. Ethan Small doesn't do that. He reaches maybe 95, Mm -hmm. maybe, but his changeup and curveball are filthy. Barry Zito, for a long time, had the most deadly curveball in the major leagues. And it was incredible to watch that 12-6 breaker. It would start in the middle of the strike zone, break down, hit the dirt incredible stuff that's what Ethan Small brings to the table so yeah going up against that it's going to be very difficult I don't think that they're going to lose any game that Ethan Small pitches as long as he stays healthy
0: they haven't lost a game in this postseason they're coming in maybe the hottest team they've won 51 games they're going to be a popular pick to win the tournament I'm still going with Vanderbilt but not confidently I still think they're the best team they're probably the likely choice not confident though because like you said baseball's unpredictable do you have a pick out of the eight? Who are you like? No,
1: I'm not gonna make a pick on baseball. <laughs> I never make a pick on anything baseball except major leagues because it's so long and I can do something about that. Just don't even don't even try that. Do not bet on college baseball. That's what I'm saying.
0: Danner Hoops, John Michael Hofling with you. Let's take our first time out. When we come back, it's tough because the hockey season's coming to an end, but We're treated to Game 7 at night, we'll break it down next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP.
1: Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, the Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app.
0: Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad to have you along on this Wednesday afternoon. It's a sad day in some ways. This will be the final day of hockey for a few months. It'll be the final day of Doc Emmerich for a few months. But I can't wait for Game 7. Anytime you've got a Game 7 to decide a title, especially with the two teams that we have, the cast of characters, it's going to be something really special. I can't wait for tonight.
1: Zidane Chihara just broke a record by playing in this Game 7. It's going to be his 14th Game 7, the most in the NHL history. How about that?
0: Yeah. He's been around a long time. Yeah. And Doing so been... while drinking his lunch through a straw. Yeah,
1: and not only that, but he's been in so many clutch situations and come out on top so many times. It's mm-hmm. great to see. Well, I tell you what, I can't wait for this one. And I'm still rooting for the
0: Blues. I think that they know how to win on the road. They always adjust well after a loss. I haven't taken very many back-to-back losses here in the last couple of months since the playoffs have started. Uh, they they can go on the road and they bring their atmosphere with them. They're a really good road team, and it's kind of inexplicable in some ways. Eddie Olchek said on Golik and Wingo last week, there might be an explanation for that. When you're on the road... It's all business. You know, you're focused on your sport, whether it's hockey or basketball, that's all it is. You're with the team, you're with them constantly, and you're on a routine, a schedule, and you really get in a business state of mind. Whereas at home you got a lot of other things to take care of. Yeah, you got the crowd on your side, but you don't have that business like mindset that the road team has. And I guess there's some truth to that.
1: Oh, I have to take care of my kids and stuff like that. It's like all right, so I got the I got morning skate at twelve thirty. Then we got the game at seven. I got to drive Jimmy to soccer practice at four. All right. So, but when you're on the road, none of that, you're just thinking about getting that dub.
0: I, that's why I feel confident in the Blues going into tonight. They're a resilient group. They're obviously well coached with the job Craig Berube's done. I want them to get their first championship. I mean, I just want to see St. Louis come back from 31st out of 31st just a couple of days after New Year's.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean,. It's the story, like I was talking mm-hmm. about. Everybody wants to see him win. I want to see him win. Nobody wants to see Brad Marchand hold that cup again. That being said, like, obviously I do love the whole thing where the home team wins on their home ice. But, I mean, I just can't stand Boston. <laughs> like, Tuca is playing. Or he did play out of his mind for game six. I wouldn't expect that same sort of performance. Why not? Cause there's no way like Charlie McAvoy is gonna be able to stop that puck going over Tuca's yeah, back. And Tuca might, Tuca might, but Tuca wouldn't have been able to if Charlie McAvoy wasn't there. He Charlie had to had to poke it with his stick to keep it out of the line and stuff like that. And then who knows? The momentum switches during the game. Maybe the Blues get a couple more goals. Who knows? Well, St. Louis did
0: look like the better team for the first ten minutes of Game Six, and if they bring that energy. You know, they should be able to solve Tuke at some point, but they can't be their own worst enemy and take penalties. The more time they spend in the box, Boston's power play is just way too deadly. St. Louis has been better 5-on-5. Five five.
1: Yeah, the Boston, Well, Boston was working tirelessly on their power play. In fact, their first goal of the game, the Marchand uh, one-timer from that really sharp angle on the 5-on-3, they were working on exactly that shot for like an hour before Game 6. Mm-hmm. So they know exactly what they're trying to do. Boston is so well organized. They're a very well-run organization. So they know exactly what they're going to try to bring to the table. The Blues, I think they're better coached. But they don't have as good a game plan, I think, as the Bruins.
0: Okay, let's talk about the Conn Smythe Trophy. Let me give you a scenario. St. Even if St. Louis wins the Cup, they win one nothing tonight, 2-1, a low-scoring game. Could Tuka Rask win the Conn Smythe? No. Don't think so.
1: In my opinion, I don't think the losing team should ever...
0: They shouldn't, but they do
1: sometimes. Sometimes, but... I, and there might be a case th- for him. But that's that's saying that, basically, Tuca was so dominant, he's the only reason that the Bruins made it to Game 7 in the first place, which I don't think is the case. Hmm, I don't know. Like, even though they lost, he's the only reason this series went 7 games. I think he's the only reason that they're here. I think Ryan O'Reilly has something to say about that. I think he
0: should be the guy who wins it if St. Louis wins the Cup tonight. But if Boston wins it, it's easily Tukas, no? Yeah. It has to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm with you. I think that the most outstanding player in the finals, the most valuable player, should go to the winning team. But I tell you what, I don't know that Boston would be at this stage in the
1: playoffs without
0: Tuka Rask.
1: They probably wouldn't be, but that's not saying that he's... No, there were there have been a lot of good players and great moments. Zidane Chara, despite playing with a broken jaw. He's been mm-hmm. a great defensive force. Brad Marchand, David Pasternak, those guys have been phenomenal. 21 players have scored for the Bruins this postseason. 21! Mm-hmm. That's an ultimate team effort. And yeah, you might say, oh, well, everybody is sort of working together. Then it's not just one singular player who's doing spectacularly. But that just goes to show the team is so well oiled. everybody feeds off of one another's. Like, Carson Kuhlman is never going to win it. But the fact that Carson Kuhlman can get a goal at all in this postseason mm-hmm. just shows how well the Boston teammates work together.
0: Watched him win the national title last year at Duluth.
1: Yeah. Broke my heart as an
0: mm-hmm. Notre Dame fan. Oh, but I tell you what, no, they, you're, you're absolutely right. And I mean, Tuca's not the only reason that they've gotten here. But I don't think that they would be here if somebody else was in net. Tuca has just been the driving force behind that You don't team think
1: anybody else, if you, if anybody else is in net. If
0: I could put anybody else in net, like, who, who would you put instead in net over Tuca? Brayden Oldby. Mm, I don't know. Lit up in a couple of games in the yeah, Carolina but he's, series. Yeah,
1: he's proven himself in the playoffs.
0: At times. Fleury, at times.
1: Flory was phenomenal in that, except for Game 7. He, yeah. he was great. I, don't, I still
0: wouldn't put Murray. has been
1: good, but I wouldn't say this, is like, I don't know, a lot of people are saying this is like the best goaltender performance we've ever seen in the playoffs. I wouldn't go that far.
0: No. No, I mean, Martin Berdour has something to say about yeah, that.
1: Yeah, Dominic Hashek. There you go. Yeah. yeah.
0: Guys like that. At least in Boston's uh, Stanley Cup history, in recent memory, this is pretty unprecedented. He looks like he is at his peak right now.
1: He might be, and that's not denying how good he's been, but to say it's historic and to say he deserves it even if St. Louis wins, no. I think there's a case for him. There's going to be a case, obviously, because you want to give it to the best player. It's like, you can't give MVP to the best player on the best team every single year because, yeah, even though they didn't win, he's still the best player. So obviously there's going to be that sort of persona or that stigma around the best player just overall in the series. But you just can't, because if they were so good, in seven games you would think one player would be able to take over and win the series for themselves. Especially the only player on an entire team who's on the ice for all 60 minutes.
0: There's a lot of politics that go into who wins the Cots Might 2. Remember in 2017, as much as I love Sidney Crosby, did not deserve it that year. Jake Gensel was the best player
1: during that postseason. Maybe, but Crosby, you, the NHL's got to get ratings, man. Well, they have to, and that's what I mean. Is that Even if the politics are a huge thing, I feel like that'd be a terrible political move to give it to the losing team. <laughs> uh, maybe
0: the NHL wants to stir the pot a
1: little bit. Maybe, maybe they're maybe they're in for a little controversy. They want to see the Twitterverse explode. I cannot
0: wait for this one. It's weird because Canada's all geared up for basketball tomorrow. America's geared up for hockey. Canada's geared up for football too. CFL opens tomorrow night. Do you know that? No,
1: I didn't How about know. that. Yeah. Do you watch the CFL? Mm, I mean, I did when Johnny Manziel was in there for a little bit. <laughs> not particularly. Uh there are a couple people I have involved in uh I think a Chapman receiver, Jake Isabel. I'm not sure though. I know we, I know I know I was talking to him and he was uh, he was trying out for a bit, but I'm not sure if he made it there. He was part of Sam Darnold's pro day, which I thought was really How about cool. that? Yeah. yeah. So, he he's got talent, obviously. Like I watched him play. He was he's fast. He's got great hands, but yeah. Uh other than I mean, it's the same reason I don't watch the WNBA, right? Mm-hmm. It's just yeah it's good and it's great to see these athletes do great things or it's the same reason I didn't watch the AIF it's just there's a better version mm-hmm.
0: of it I sometimes watch the CFL you know I'll occasionally dabble my dad loves it so I'll see it every once in a while Kind of a different game, but you
1: know, I, I like it in a few, no, in a few The ways, fact so. that it is a different game, I think, helps it a lot.
0: Oh, it does, absolutely. With 12 men on the field, uh, a little bit expanded.
1: Yeah, it differentiates itself. Yeah. You can actually say, this is Canadian football, mm-hmm. versus just, oh, that one football league that's north of the border, Right. It's just, oh, hey, this is just a minor league system for the NFL. But, no, it's actually differentiating. It's a different sport. You need to learn the different rules, which I think is a really good move.
0: And three downs instead of four. Yep. Yeah, so it's a more pass-heavy league. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. Uh, but, no, I miss Johnny Manziel. I'll say it. I yeah, miss I miss football. it too.
1: He, I do. He's this, it's going to be the same impact of Gronk It's like, Gronk's gone now <laughs> It's going to be a different sport Johnny's last chance coming up in the XFL Hoping that can work I hope work Blake out. Bortles tackles uh, Johnny Manziel at some point You're hoping, how will that work? Just something like that Or Tim Tebow, Charlie Whitehurst Just a bunch of these players who I was like, yes I love seeing these guys Charlie Whitehurst <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Jake Locker guys Jake like that. Locker
0: uh, can you imagine that there was actually a debate? There was a Sports Illustrated cover just had its eighth year anniversary uh, whenever the draft was. It was eight years ago from about draft week, and the cover was Cam Newton and Jake Locker, and there was a real debate between which one oh, should be there's number all, one overall. there's
1: always a debate. There was a debate last year about Sam Darnold Josh Rosen and Baker Mayfield. Now it's like, why would you ever choose Josh Rosen? Or Peyton Manning, Ryan Leaf. People were considering that a debate. <laughs> I forgot
0: about that.
1: There's always going to be one guy who pans out and one guy who doesn't. or like Andrew Kevin Durant? L- Greg Oden? Yeah, there's always going to be that one guy that doesn't pan out. And, you know, most of the time you get the right guy with the number one overall pick.
0: Jamarcus Russell, though. Who no, went after Jamarcus Russell? I'm trying to think back to the I want to draft. say
1: Carson Palmer was the same draft.
0: I feel like I would have known if it was Carson Palmer... We might have oh, to, come back, yeah, to but, we'll come back to that one. but come back to But, yeah, Jamarcus Russell.
1: <laughs> Not a good first overall pick. Hey, uh, hey, but I will say, a lot of people think Alex Smith wasn't a good first first overall pick. He wasn't for the first six years of his career. He no. ain't a bust anymore.
0: Well, if he can get back to the field, I'm hoping he yeah. does. Yeah. Again, it was an unfortunate injury he went through. I like Alex Smith. Uh, last thing, you know, we kind of went away from hockey, but still, we got on the subject of Jamarcus Russell. Speaking of which... You see, the Raiders are going to be the feature of Hard Knocks mm-hmm.
1: this year. Great choice. Great choice. I think it was the only choice.
0: It was. Yeah. Absolutely was. You can't go to Cleveland anymore, although I still think they have a lot of bugs that they need to get worked out.
1: Yeah. What other team right now is a bigger circus than the Oakland Raiders? Move it. They're about to move to Las Vegas. Yep. They got John Gruden as their head coach. They have a guy with the blonde mustache, walrus-looking guy, joining joining the squad who's their big new addition. They have a quarterback on the hot seat. Everybody's looking at him right now. No one knows to... what
0: Marshawn Lynch is going to
1: do. No one. Yeah, Marshawn Lynch could be anything at this point.
0: He said he might come back. He might not. Then they have Vontez Burfict. They bring yeah, in. He got suspended guy. for hitting Antonio Brown yeah. in the
1: playoffs three years ago. There's so much drama. It was built. This this team was built for hard knocks. They were they. I guarantee there was something. HBO was like, hey. Oakland, we're going to do a thing on you. This was before the offseason, and Oakland was like, all right, let's make this the best season of Hard Knocks we've <laughs> ever seen. I bet
0: John Gruden has a deal with HBO. That's why he's making the moves that he is, because HBO makes money. He makes money. He puts on a good product. <laughs> oh, they brought in Nathan Peterman. This is a whole conspiracy.
1: This yeah. is a real thing. Uh, I never realized it until right now, but this, this is a <laughs> this is a legitimate thing.
0: Conspiracy theorist here on ESPN UP. Let's take a time out. Coming up, the U.S. dominated Thailand in the Women's World Cup yesterday. Did they go too far with their thirteen 0 victory? Plus the celebrations that followed. That's next in the Sports Pen on ESPN UP.
1: Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at four on ESPN UP and on the ESPNUP UP app. If you got a problem with the scoreline, 13 goals, then your tiebreaker can't be goal differential. This is the World Cup. This is the tournament. Um, So anyone having an issue with the 13 scoreline doesn't understand that. Listen, there's two other teams within the group that have to play Thailand, right? So if Sweden beats Thailand 12-0, well, here we are. Now goal differential is part of that. The bigger issue I have that the celebrations of goals, 7, 8, 9, all the way through 13, I, I struggle with that uh, just because they're choreographed and for the listeners at home, imagine Alabama playing Citadel and are they really celebrating the entire bench and the entire team the 62nd or 69th point they score against Citadel because that's what the United States women's national team was. Welcome
0: back to the Sports Band on ESPN UP. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. We're ready to hit the pitch and drop a little soccer knowledge on you, but first your Sports Center update. Five people have been arrested in connection with the shooting Sunday night in the Dominican Republic that hospitalized David Ortiz. Paul George underwent successful surgery to repair his left shoulder. And finally, a Florida man attempted to rob an ATM with a blowtorch but accidentally melted the machine's hinges shut. That is your Sports Center update, Tanner Hoops. John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad that you're with us on this Wednesday afternoon. Hey, if I haven't said it enough, make sure to get our free mobile app from the Apple iStore or Google Play. You can hear this show on demand. You can hear it live. You can hear anything ESPN has to offer through this free mobile app. Get it from the Apple iStore or Google Play. Just look up ESPN UP. Make sure to put a space in between.
1: That was a little argumentative. All right. I don't have anything that's on
0: me. Uh, we'll figure something out. We've got Women's World Cup takes Tanner and Michael with you. Glad to have you along. Well, the Women's World Cup came under a little bit of scrutiny yesterday. I should say the women's national team did so. They opened their tournament playing Thailand, a team that was in the World Cup for the first time ever. The U.S., of course, are the defending champions. And the U.S. throttles them 13 nothing. Alex Morgan becomes the second player ever to score five goals in a single World Cup match. And the U.S. was coming under a lot of moral criticism.
1: Uh, you're playing, your job is to play a ball I yeah. can care less after you score if you have a tea party Like, Just enjoy yourself They're kids, they get to play games I wish I could get to play a game for a living mm-hmm. And yeah Some some of these women, it's their first ever time in the World Cup They don't know if they're going to get another goal again it's, They're on the biggest stage in the world They want to score They get to score it, You're telling me they have to just be like, oh yeah, whatever No, enjoy yourself
0: I mean, you have goal differential that factors That's, into yeah. it. You've got the golden boot. You can become the tournament's leading goal scorer. I tell you what. You know, I'm going to sound old school, or you know, like one of those guys by saying this. If you don't want the ball in the back of the net, don't let it get there. I mean, you don't like the celebration. Stop
1: the ball. The literal thing that Max Muncy said to Madison Bumgarner. If you don't mm-hmm. want to see me, if you don't want to see me, look at my ball. Go fetch it out of the ocean. <laughs> it's the same exact thing. If you don't want to see me celebrate, stop the ball from going in yep. the net. A foreign sport here. Well, this I know, would be a good story. I went on a water polo trip to Hungary. That's the national <laughs> sport in Hungary. Is, is it really? Is water polo. Yeah, yeah, They love their water polo there. We got schlacked every single game 19 to 1, 16 to nothing, 20 to 8, stuff like that. Just not good. But the fact is that they never let up. And we didn't take that as a sign of disrespect. It right. was a sign. it was a sign of and they actually said this to us. It's a sign of if they let up, if they just start messing around and stuff, they're toying with us. Mm-hmm. They're toying with their they're playing with their food. And yeah, it might give us a chance, but at the same time they could still beat us doing that stuff. In fact they did it for one play. One play where I was the sprinter, it's the person who goes out and tries to get the ball at the start of every quarter. Nobody was sprinting against me. I was just like Okay, that's kind of weird, so I just start to take the ball up. Two seconds later, guy comes up from underwater, steals the ball from me, scores a goal. That's the one time they did any sort of playful thing, and it worked out for them, and their coach laid it into him because they didn't want to seem disrespectful. It's the same thing here, where if you see, if America just put in every one of their B players, I know you're only allowed three substitutions, just start doing oh, like FIFA-style plays where you just lob it over everybody trying to get breakaways and whatnot. As Thailand, I would think that that's more of, more disrespectful than scoring 13 mm-hmm. goals where we don't take you seriously enough to even try to score as many. Goal differential matters, but we're going to settle with seven. We're just going to settle because we're, we're, we're good enough. You know, we can relax at this point. I tell you what, I learned
0: a lot about water polo in that last couple of minutes. Uh, One, that it is the official sport of Hungary. Two, that they play quarters. I guess I never really thought about what kind of format they use. I need to be better on water polo. No, you don't. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're never going
1: to get quizzed on water polo ever during your career. I, I guarantee you that right now. I
0: tell you what, though, you're absolutely right. If you were... Uh, getting shellacked, and your opponent just started taking it easy on you, not trying, you would feel more disrespected than yeah. anything.
1: In fact, you know what? Let's like flip the script. If the U.S. lost 13 to nothing, mm-hmm. do you know what everybody would be saying? Oh man, that's a bear- They deserve that. Mm-hmm. No! <laughs> you, you, you can't! You can't do that for the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, Thailand, it was their first time. They had to have felt somewhat just. Glad to be there in a sense, oh, I'm sure right? that's
0: what the whole tournament's about. Yeah.
1: yeah for them. Yeah, you literally... But the U.S. is the better team. Mm-hmm. Gold differential matters. Show it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean,
0: we haven't heard from Thailand about this. Like, Thailand isn't the one that's trying to raise moral criticism to America. At least not that I've heard. I haven't heard the Thailand players or coaching staff, maybe they've been instructed not to comment on it. But I haven't heard anything that they have taken offense to what happened it's been everybody else that's come down to the u.s
1: something i've noticed is that other countries think it's more disrespectful to lay off but only the u.s says okay once they're dead just stop Mm -hmm. don't feed a fed horse anymore you know uh that's the thing, Peta said to say instead of "Don't beat a dead horse." But yeah.
0: are you one of those people who listens to Peta?
1: No, no, no just I, I remember that, and I was like, I feel like I should say that right. I anyway, Just
0: ate a ham sandwich.
1: I know. I'm about to go eat. I'm about to go eat a <laughs> turkey sandwich because you brought that in and it made me. It made me hungry. But yeah, every other country says go as hard as you can all the time. How do we get up to their standards? How do we limit it to eight goals? How and then from that point on, how do we limit that to maybe a game how do we limit that to a 1-0 game it gives you a stepping stone whereas oh if you lose if they lost that game or if the U.S. just stopped trying after 6-0 it's like okay we don't actually know how much better they are than us we have no sort of yardstick to determine where we need to be we just know that for the first half they dominated us
0: you know I'm not a guy who's gonna watch soccer perennially but oh, when the World Cup is on, I'm all in for it, especially when the mm-hmm. US is playing well like they are in this tournament, expected to repeat as champions. And because of what happened yesterday and the criticism the US is getting for it, I hope we hang 500 goals on. Them. <laughs> I want world domination during this World Cup.
1: I hope that every this is not only this is a good look for women's soccer on a Should be. Yeah. This is great publicity. Mm-hmm. This, and soccer's weird in the US, right? A little bit. How how many women's national team members can you name?
0: Uh, Abby Wambach. She's Alex no longer Morgan. on the team.
1: Is she not? She's not. Is she. Wow. Is Hope Solo? No, Hope Solo's not there either. Okay.
0: Well, then it's probably just Alex Morgan.
1: Can not name Carly Lloyd. Julie, oh,
0: okay. Yes, I do Jul- know Carly. Jul- Lloyd Julie Ertz.
1: Uh, Ro- Rose Lavelle. Oh,
0: oh, uh, Zach Ertz' wife. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: I I can name more women's national team members than men's national team members. Is that right? I is uh, other than Landon Donovan. I don't. He's I don't, not there anymore. What about is Chris? sick? I, I don't know who Christian that is.
0: Pulisic? Okay.
1: is Wandelowski still there? Because he was a San Jose Earthquake. I don't That's think so.
0: How about Josie Altador?
1: Oh, okay. okay. I can yeah. name Altador. But well, I can name more women's team national members because they are so dominant. Because the US men's team is so bad, now the women's team is coming around. I want to see them destroy everybody. mm
2: mm-hmm. domination. And, and, and it would be
1: great. Talking about how women's team needs more need more uh, publicity, need to be in the spotlight more. This is their chance. Show them. That yes, the women's team is so dominant, we hang 13 goals up, makes people more interested. Do you
0: remember a few years ago, and I think, I just think this is interesting, I don't know if it's a double standard or what, do you remember a few years ago at the Olympics when the U.S. men's basketball team had LeBron, Kyrie, Durant, Steph, they played like Nigeria or somebody, and they won like 124 to 65 they weren't getting criticized for running up the score.
1: Well, because they didn't shut out their opponents. I think that's a big thing, Well, you thing can't too. shut just, them out
0: in basketball. Hey,
1: hey, oh, if you play well enough, you get... Uh, that, I, I, I don't that'd be, know that'd about be, that that'd one. That'd be something, right? That's a hot take. <laughs> I think that, that's what I'm saying. If you get absolutely the two opposite the ends, there's going to be a shutout. But that's beside the point. But just the fact that that donut, get, don't, that donut is sitting up there for Thailand... That's that's part of the bad thing too, and the fact is that Nigeria they put up sixty points against other teams. That might be reasonable, and yes, the U.S. is loaded, but the U.S. had that star power. They were expected to be so extra dominant.
0: Well, they expected that of the women's soccer team, and the U.S. Not, you know, I that, mean, that men's basketball team. They kept I scoring. Mean,
1: I mean, I wouldn't say that they expected this out of the women's national team. I mean. The Woods national team is ranked number one in the world, but they're only slightly ahead of Germany in terms of total points in their ranking system. Mm-hmm. And Thailand's only 34. That's not that bad. There are 156 teams, I think, in the world. Y- you might be
0: right that it wasn't expected. I'm not necessarily surprised, though.
1: Yeah. You can't say that you were surprised by the schlacking, but 13? That's as many points as the Patriots had in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, the Rams only got three more points than Thailand got, so... Yeah, they did well. Good for them. Well, I tell
0: you what, uh, the U.S. getting set to play in round to Actually, a uh, second leg of group play started today. I think they
1: already have a spot locked up. You in think? The next round.
0: They probably do. I think they do. I, I wouldn't doubt it, honestly, if they did. Uh, I don't know who they have next. It's either Sweden or Chile, mm-hmm. one of those two. But Sweden beat Chile yesterday. Nigeria beat Korea two nothing today. Germany one nothing winners over Spain.
1: Germany and Spain—that's probably the best group in terms of consistency. Oh yeah,
0: oh yeah. And then uh, France and Norway are getting underway right about now. I tell you what, I'm excited to watch the rest of this tournament. It's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see how things work out uh, in the aftermath of this. It's just weird because nobody from Thailand seems to be doing any complaining about how the U.S. treated them in that game yesterday. (laughs) It's everybody else because everybody else needs to be morally justified. They have to have the moral high ground over everybody else. Yeah. So they take non issues like this and they make them an issue. It's stupid.
1: Yeah, the Thailand was just happy to be there. They were honored to be on the same field, and they gave it their all. You can never dock somebody for doing giving their best effort against a giant. And yeah, obviously they were hoping to be the David in this situation against the U.S.'s Goliath. And but that's not going to happen most of the time. They were just honored to be in that same, uh, that same vicinity. And I I guarantee you they're glad it wasn't twenty to nothing because mm-hmm. it. it, it Gosh darn well could have been.
0: Tell you what, uh, do we have any Cinderella team this year? You talk about the Davids and Goliath. Remember last year in the Men's World Cup, Croatia? Wasn't it Croatia who made Mm -hmm. the finals last year? Do we have any team like that
1: in the women's this year? Soccer, I I doubt it. Never bet on soccer either. Well, soccer you can bet on more realistically because Croatia was so strangely in there for some reason.
0: Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling, glad to have you along. We owe you our next time out. When we come back, we will break down the NBA Finals. They return tomorrow, one week ahead of the draft. Plus, we'll tell you why today was a bad day for the Boston Celtics. All that more is coming up. Stick with us here in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP.
1: Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, the Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP
0: app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, John Micah Hovling with you. If you missed any part of the show today, check it out on demand. Get our app from the Apple iStore or Google Play. Just look up ESPN-UP. Glad to have you along as we head down to the 5 o'clock hour. Just a little over three hours until puck drop. The Stanley Cup will be awarded tonight. See that skit on the late show last night? Jimmy Fallon and Selena Gomez were using the Stanley Cup as a milk jug.
1: I think that's disrespectful. The Stanley Cup is the most sacred chalice in all of sports. It
0: should be. It should be treated that way. Yeah. But if I could, I thought they banned drinking out of the cup after Ovechkin.
1: I don't know if they banned it, but I think unless you've earned the cup, you shouldn't be allowed to drink out of it. Once I would you, love to drink well, out once of the you've, cup, though. Once you've earned the cup, you can do anything you want with it, in my opinion.
0: I'd love to drink out of the cup. I would, too. Could you imagine your day uh, I feel with like the I, cup? Would,
1: I feel like I would reverse age by by 20 years. I feel like I'd get a 20-year longer life just drinking out of that cup.
0: I tell you what, I'd start my day with the cup. I'd probably have it in bed next to me. I'd
1: wake up, pour my coffee into it. I'd, I'd kick my girlfriend out of the bed. <laughs> You know, hey, hey, honey, I love you, but, but I got the cup today.
0: <laughs> Go stay with your mother. <laughs> Anthony Davis. Uh, well, I guess there's a little bit more clarity, but not the news that the Celtics wanted. Anthony Davis said that he would not re-sign with Boston if they trade for him this offseason. Uh, He would be there for one year, then he would look to go elsewhere when his contract is up. Kyrie Irving said that he is not going to renew his contract. He is entering free agency. So Boston is going to lose two top-tier, should we say, prospects, not players, because one of them technically isn't on the roster. You know, I tell you what, if Toronto didn't go on the run that they did, knowing that Kawhi Leonard might leave after one year, I would say there's no chance they go after Anthony Davis, Something tells me they still might. If they really feel like they can win that championship, there's a chance. They could go for it, but I don't know that that's the right move.
1: I wouldn't say that's the right move either. You went from a guy, Kawhi Leonard, who had won a championship before, proven in the playoffs, going to take that team over the top to a guy who's won one playoff series. Mm -hmm. Why why would you do that? You want a guy that's going to push you over the top in the playoffs, not a guy that will help you in the regular season, sure. But, well,
0: and I want to keep guys like Tatum and Brown and Smart and build around them. At the same time, Boston does need a superstar. That wasn't Kyrie Irving; it could have been Anthony Davis. So now, who does Boston go after? Because they do need a top-tier player.
1: I'm not sure if they. I mean, obviously, Clay Thompson. He fits in. Every, he fits in every single system mm. in, in in the entire NBA. But I don't think Golden State's going to let him go. No. You can go after Kevin Durant, but then you got to wait a year. Yeah, because he's going to be out. I think, actually, they're in a very good situation. We already knew AD didn't want to come, or at least his dad didn't want him to go to Boston. And in terms of Kyrie, like, looking at what Boston did two years ago, do you think that Kyrie was maybe a little bit toxic for that team?
0: Yeah. I don't think he's leaving it in a better place than when he came here.
1: I think that there's a lot of confidence rolling through that locker room without without, uh, Irving. Mm-hmm. Maybe the fact that Irving's gone it allows Tatum and Hayward to be the top two options, allows Horford to sort of step into more of an offensive role. Maybe that's just the better system that Brad Stevens needed because the fact is that with Terry Rozier and Jalen Brown, he was able to take the team. He was able to take the team to seven games against LeBron James.
0: Terry Rozier will benefit the most from Kyrie Irving not being there. He was scary Terry last uh, well two years ago now, uh, when he was in that playoff run, and he was the dominant point guard. Mm-hmm. it was his team he assumed that role Kyrie came back and he wasn't scary he anymore Terry was not scary anymore
1: yeah he was wary Terry well
0: that could work yeah maybe.
1: <laughs> <sighs> yeah I think Terry Rozier is only a couple years away from a max contract once mm-hmm. he gets into that actual point guard role I think he he, he was a good backup so now he's going to step into a starting role I because I don't think they should look for any point guards I think that Terry will do fine and he's going to be a legitimate passing threat. He'll score maybe, what, 13 points a game. But the fact is that he's going to be, uh, he's solid on defense. He's got great court vision. So he'll get a max contract in a couple of years, somewhere. But
0: Now I've got to figure out what I do with my Kyrie Irving Celtics jersey. I don't want to be one of those fans who burns
1: it. You painted a different color.
0: I kind of like that. It. It's one of those black jerseys with the green numbers. Ooh. Those are my favorite.
1: Oh, that's cool. Yeah.
0: And now I need to find a new one. Which player should I
1: get? Should Tatum, I get Tatum. Eh, yeah, thinking about Tatum. T- Tatum's a young guy; he'll, he'll be there for a while.
0: Tatum. I don't know how long Gordon Hayward's going to be there. Maybe, maybe or, Horford,
1: or you could just get a throwback because those stay good forever.
0: Oh, I have a Larry Bird throwback. Ah, dang, that's
1: what I was going to say. He was
0: the reason I like the
1: Celtics. Yeah, well, maybe if you want to go way, way, way throwback, Bill Russell. Bill
0: Russell. That could be a fun yeah. one. Yeah. How about Brad Wanamaker? No. <laughs> <laughs> Shane Larkin's still there? He might be in like the. He might be with Maine in the G League. I don't know. Uh, Abdul Nader. I know I You
1: know what you you have lost me, sir.
0: <laughs> uh, theater hoops. John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad to have you along. I don't know what moves Boston is going to make this off season as far as free agents go. Maybe they're happy with what they have. I don't think they're looking to get younger though. I think they like the core group that they have. They've got three first round picks this year. Uh, Sixteen. I think fourteen. Maybe twenty and mid twenty something. I don't think they're going to use them, honestly. I think they if they get the chance, they will package those three together and go for one star free agent.
1: Yeah, I have a friend who has a really good perspective on this, and he always tells me, he says, draft picks in the NBA and the NFL to an extent are super overrated. Mm-hmm. So you trade those away for somebody who's proven, and yeah, they're older, but you only need what four or five years out of them. You grab a thirty, you grab a thirty-year-old. He's going to be at least somewhat strong still through his age thirty-five season. That's what they did with Horford, and he's worked out pretty well. You can grab a guy like Steph. Is, Steph is what? He's thirty-one now. Mm-hmm. He's still great. Yeah. Okay, probably two of those. Two of those picks for a guy age thirty-one for the next three years. I'm not sure who that is. I haven't actually looked into it. But that would help your team way more than the 16th overall pick.
0: It's off subject, but you kind of led me onto this, so I want to. It's been on my mind lately. I've uh, brought it up on the show before. Should the Pistons go after Mike Conley? 31 years old. He's still got something to contribute, I think. Yeah, but.
1: Uh, I think it'd be good with the Pistons. Who's who is their point guard last year? Reggie Jackson? Yeah. I think Reggie Jackson's fine.
0: Mm, I don't know that he's ever going to take like, that next step they were hoping for.
1: Well, I think I think he's, personally, I don't like Van Gundy as a coach. I think he's way too old style. Oh, well, now they have Casey. Oh, oh yeah, they have Casey now. That's right. Yeah, okay, I do love Casey. I do love Casey. It's, okay, maybe you're right then, because I thought maybe with Casey he would take that next step. So maybe, maybe they do go after Conley, because I think going after veterans who have proven themselves more and more are way more valuable than people with potential. I think,
0: Luke Kennard, I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I think Luke Kennard has a better chance of taking a step forward than Reggie
1: Jackson does. Reggie Jackson's a better shooter, and this is a shooting league, I feel like. Yeah, but
0: I think Kennard can take that step forward. Okay. I don't know that Reggie Jackson's going to get a whole lot better than he is right now. I think there's a much higher ceiling for Kennard.
1: What step would you take if you were the Pistons, then?
0: I would go after Conley. Okay. I would, I want him.
1: That's fair enough. I, I think it would be a I'm good fit. I'm not sure how he would succeed in Casey's system, but you you think he'd be a good fit? I think he would
0: you probably have to give up Reggie, but at this point, I'd,
1: I'd probably do it. Yeah, sometimes, you know, you've got to get rid of a Harrison Barnes to get a Kevin Durant. Well, there you go. Sometimes
0: <laughs> it works out that way, yeah. doesn't it? I tell you what, uh, the finals return tomorrow night. How much were you sweating the other night watching the Warriors blow that lead a only lot. to regain
1: it? A <laughs> lot. Um, you know the theory that I've, I've spoken about several times on the show? Mm-hmm. The Warriors are a better team without Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Clay Thompson dug into me last night. I felt like it was a personal attack. He said on his post-game press conference, he said all those talking heads out there who say we're a better team without him, uh, they're stupid. I've changed my tune. After this last game, seeing the Warriors dominate for a quarter and a half and then slowly lose it and have to get it back, I think my theory has changed. The Warriors are a better regular season team without Kevin there Durant. There you go. Yes. They are a worse title contender. I can see it. At some
0: point, you just need that kind of guy to be able to get you over the top. I tell you what, uh, Kevin Durant, this will never happen. No realistic possibility of this happening. But Kevin Durant has only played 12 minutes in this series. That's all he's going to play. And I have never seen anyone who's played less that has a better case to be finals MVP in the literal definition of the word.
1: Oh uh, sure in the literal In the de- literal
0: definition of being the most valuable player, the guy who means have you seen the spreads, the lines what uh they're predicting for each game? Kevin Durant made the difference. He is that valuable. There's no chance he's going to win finals MVP, no. but based on the literal definition, there's no one who's ever had a better hey, case for it.
1: Yeah, it's like a couple of years ago or like a bunch of years ago now at this point. Gosh, it's been a while. But you know how every year the NFL players put out a top 100 players list? Mhm. Peyton Manning made it to number 50 the year he played zero games mm-hmm. because people saw them go from title contender to 2-14. and 14. So people were like, oh, yeah, he's that good. He's still got to be one of the best players, even though he literally did not play at all. And Kevin Durant's sort of in the same boat right now. Dan Orlovsky. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Dan Orlovsky took the Colts to 2-14, and 14, and that boosted Peyton's valuableness. Yeah,
1: and th- that's why the Broncos were willing to take a chance on him after Tebow. But take a
0: chance on Peyton after Tebow. Is that really taking a chance?
1: (laughs) I mean, I I think after such a serious injury like that, I think any team that goes after Durant is going to be taking a chance. They will. They will. Yeah.
0: Because nobody other than Golden State, I'm not even sure that they're going to offer him a one-year deal. Uh, Nobody, uh, no one else is going to give him a one-year deal. Golden State would be the only team that could, but I don't think they're going to. Everyone else is going to have to give him a super max long term.
1: Yep. And he's just a
0: mystery box right now. I think
1: there were a lot of... This was awful what happened to KD, right? But I think this was actually a very good look for him. Mm -hmm. With all the talk, especially in the NFL, of players who sit out their final seasons just so they can improve their free agency value. Le'Veon Bell not playing with the team just because, oh, I want to make more money. Mm -hmm. You have a guy who's not ready to come back out there, steps out there, puts his body on the line to try to help his team... And pays the price for it.
0: For a fan base that wouldn't spit on him if
1: he was on fire. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (sighs) I love that. I love bringing that up whenever I'm around you.
1: (laughs) It's alright. Everybody who says that he's a snake, I think, had to take a step back and look at that a little more. Mm. This is a guy who had everything in the world to gain this summer. Mm -hmm. And gave it all up for a chance at the title again. Yep. I love it.
0: He's already got two of them. He didn't need a third. I but love it. he still was willing to risk the wear, go out and risk his
1: body. And now he's paying the ultimate price, yep. which, yeah, it's terrible. We didn't want to see that. We wanted to see a guy risk it all, but end up coming a way better for it. Mm-hmm. And, he, yeah, he he's paying the ultimate. I don't know if he didn't get injured, if we'd still be saying the same thing. Do you think we'd still be saying the same thing?
0: It's mm, a good question.
1: Narrative might change quite a bit. Yeah. I I like the take you had. I was listening to your show the other day where you were saying the Raptors have sort of become the villains of this series. A little bit, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was a terrible look for their fans. I credit the players, you know, shutting them up. Did you see somebody sent KD Flowers apologizing on behalf of Canada?
1: Really? That was great. Well, that's a very Canadian (laughs) thing to do.
0: Oh, I tell you what, we are out of time. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. What's going on at ABC10 this week?
1: You no, know, there's a couple things going on. We got a new uh, segment that we're trying to do every week called Food Truck Friday. I'm not a part of it, but Food Dan- Truck Friday. Dan and Kaylee they're putting their hearts into it, and it's a great thing. Obviously, I'm allergic to 900 different foods, so I can't enjoy it as much. But
0: and what does that entail?
1: They check out the most obscure restaurants and sort of get the stories behind uh-huh. them and stuff like that. And they tell they tell actual Youper stories and hmm. stuff like that. and It's cool to see. Other than that, me personally, Monday Minute's going to be coming back with TJ Hawkinson. Uh, I plan on doing something with Gladstone involving Adam Bruce. Hmm. Uh, you know the story of Adam Bruce, right? A little bit, but tell our listeners anyway. Hip surgery in January. Goes on to win the 1600-meter race at the UP finals. And at the same time, their their school's former athletic director passed away this past year. It's such a great story. I really want to tell it. And uh, also, I'm hoping to speak with Philip Blue. Philip Blue, if you're yeah. out there. Yeah, hit me up, because I want to do a thing on you, man. You're getting upgraded from a, from an A to a C, which in college you don't normally think that's a good thing, but I'm happy for him. He des- he deserves it.
0: Blueberry, the new captain of the Northern Hockey Team, effective this fall. That's it for us. Back on tomorrow, same time and place for Eastern, 3 Central, and the Sports Pen. This is Tanner Hoop signing off from ESPN, WZAM, Ming Marquette.